0: Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, where God's word reads this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife, took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east side of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the reading of God's word. Pray pray with me, please. Father God, we come now to your scripture. We thank you for the scripture that we have read. And God, we thank you that all of your word uh, is yours we thank you um, that you have breathed this word out to us for our instruction um, to teach us, but not just as a kind of a rule book to follow or um, just as a moral guide to follow, but as Jesus himself said um, to the disciples and as he said to uh, the religious leaders, that all of these scriptures testify about him. How he taught all of the disciples that that uh, in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the writings, how it is all about him. And so, God, we ask that you open up our eyes to see Jesus in your word. Speak to us. And as your word says, God, as we behold the glory of Christ, may we... Um, in beholding him, be transformed from one glory to another. May our focus on Christ change us. We ask you to do this work. This is a supernatural work, and we need both your word and your spirit to do that. And so we ask you do that here in this place this morning. It's in Christ's name that we pray, and all God's people said, amen and amen. Well um based off of uh, last week we're we're in a series on the glory of God and um uh, last week I had said I kind of wish I had a board and you know I thought I would try to write some things up on the board and um and I thought think that that worked out really well it was it was very comfortable for me and so if you're new here and visiting with us uh you're like man this did not seem like a normal sermon this seemed like kind of Like we're digging into the scriptures and we're studying the scriptures good because that's what I want us to do today. So if everybody has a Bible, I really uh, ask that all of you have a Bible. If you don't have one, there's some over on the table. We'd be glad to pass them out because I'd love to go through a lot of scripture today and uh, really study into God's word. We're in a series on the glory of God. And so I'm going to kind of pretend I'm just in my living room or, um, you know, because I have a dry erase board in my living room, you know. Uh, or in my office, you know, and so I'm just going to just go through God's word here and just kind of share with you just from my heart uh, some things. Uh, We're in a series on the glory of God, and so we're doing a study on God's glory throughout all of scripture. So we kind of started at the end in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, several weeks back, and then we came back to the beginning. We did Genesis 1 a couple of weeks ago, and then we uh, uh, Don looked at, uh, God's glory in Jesus's prayer. And then we looked at God's glory in uh, Psalm eight in his creation of man. That was last week. Um, but I thought the next big uh, episode that we see as kind of an appearance of God's glory, uh, happens in Genesis chapter 12 with Abram. Now the word for glory in Hebrew does not occur in Genesis. Doesn't occur in Genesis. The next place it would occur would be in Exodus. However, however, uh, when Stephen, uh, the first Christian martyr who was killed for his faith, Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, as he's giving his defense before the uh, religious leaders of the day, they're bringing accusation that he's speaking against the law of Moses and he's speaking against the temple, um, which was kind of true, and he comes up and he gives a defense and he begins by retelling the entire story of israel you notice this in acts chapter 7 50 some verses and it's kind of like what's his point he's recounting this whole whole thing he begins with this phrase brothers the god of glory appeared to abraham the god of glory appeared to abraham so i thought well then we need to look at abraham and god's glory in his appearing to Abraham and his glory in his appearance to Abraham through the promises he gave to Abraham. So this morning, I want to sketch us where we're going. and uh, we're going to do this in kind of three sets of questions. The first set of question is, who is Abraham? or as we read in this passage, Abram? Why is he significant? What did the God of glory promise him? That's kind of the first set of questions. Then the second one is, how was that promise enacted? And then the third one is, why does this matter to us? What does the New Testament have to say about Abraham and his faith? So that's where we're going. I'm giving you kind of a chart of where we're going here. And if it seems like I'm I'm talking fast, it's because I do would love to get this done before 1230. Um, um, but that there's... Uh, some doubts about that happening. So, um, so let, me jump, let me jump right in here. Who is Abraham and why is he significant? He we first appear, Abraham first appears here. He's mentioned at the very end of chapter 11 of Genesis. Genesis begins by telling the creation of the world, God creating the world by his word. Genesis chapter one and two. And then in Genesis chapter three, we have the fall of mankind into sin. And then you start to see the effects of that fall as curses kind of working its way through humanity. You see first murders taking place. You see mankind trying to exalt themselves. And God calls out Noah and delivers Noah from the ark. And it says that he, the Lord was grieved that he had made man. And so he delivers Noah and his people. But that doesn't. Stum the tide of the curse that's spreading throughout all of creation and kind of the pinnacle of Genesis 1 through 11 is uh, humanity trying to make themselves their way up to God by the building of the Tower of Babel. You're familiar with these stories, right from Sunday school class. So the curse is spreading around and now God we're introduced to Abram here and the very first words that he says to him is he says, I want you to go. And then he makes several promises. So a couple of things here. Um, I want you to, to notice here. There are... You have God, God's word. Okay? In Genesis chapter uh, 12, verses 1 through 3. And then Abraham's response. Okay? We'll call, we'll call Ab, uh, Abraham. And it begins with a, a command. There's two commands. To go, he says. And then there are three promises of blessing that the Lord will do. The first one is, I will make you a great nation. I will make your... uh, I will bless you. And I will make your name great. So you have a great nation. I will bless. And a great name. Okay? Okay? So that's the first command that the Lord God gives, and then there's three promises connected to it. Then he gives a second command, and that is be a blessing. And this, likewise, also has three promises connected to it. The first three were promises directed right to Abraham himself as an individual. The next three are um, promises given through Abraham to others. And those promises are this. I will bless those who bless you. Okay? And then he has another promise there connected to that. I will curse him who dishonors you. And then the sixth promise here, the second Uh, Group of three here, the the last of the the second group of three. I will bless all the families of the earth in you. Blessing again. And notice it says families. So this is who we're introduced to, Abraham, here in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, throughout the rest of the story of Abraham, which spans all the way through Genesis chapter 25 and to his descendants, if you count his descendants, it's to the end of uh, through the rest of the book. Three quarters of the book is dedicated to Abraham and his descendants because of this promise that he has made. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will give you a great name and I will bless you and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who dishonor you. And he says, so be a blessing. I will bless all of the families of the earth through you. It's interesting too, by the way, um, it's in just this first three verses there, um, God uses the word bless five times. Um, And in Genesis 1 through 11, you have five references to curse. So it's like God is choosing Abraham And he is picking Abraham out to kind of reverse the curse or to annul that curse. So you have Abraham. This is why Abraham is so significant. This is a big moment that's happening in Scripture. God calling Abraham out and making him a blessing and making him a great nation. Now, Abraham's response is he obeys. Right? What does it say in verse 4? He went. He obeys God, verses 4 through 6. And so then God kind of confirms this covenant again. Um, He confirms this promise that he makes in verse 7. And then Abraham continues to obey and he continues to worship through the rest of the passage. So there's lots of uh, promises that God gives to Abraham. He promises um, him a people. He promises him a place. But mostly he's promising Him to bless him so that he will be a blessing and that all of the nations of the earth and all of the families of the earth will be blessed through him. That's what you see recounted episode after episode from Genesis chapter 12, from this point on, all the way through Genesis 25 when Abraham dies. So that's who Abraham is. Just a brief little sketch on who Abraham is. Now, God has made this promise to bless him. So here, this brings us to our second question. How was that promise enacted? And some of the questions that are uh, that, that commentators think through about this, this covenant that God is making with Abraham, is it a conditional one? Is it unconditional? Is God just going to do it? Um, does Abraham have to respond? Well, the answer is, well, yes and no. God is... Making this promise to Abraham and he's promising that he's going to do these things. And if God promises he will do it, he'll do it. So in that sense, it's not conditional. On the other hand, though, um, it is conditioned upon Abraham's faith, his obeying what happens here. That's how this promise is enacted. So Abraham uh, obeys. And so that's why you see in verse four, he obeys. You see him doing this several times as well too. turn uh, to Genesis chapter 15. This is kind of another confirmation, another appearance of the Lord with Abraham. And at this point, he's still called Abram. God hasn't changed his name yet. A little later in the account, he changes his name from Abram, which means uh, exalted father to Abraham. Um, the uh, f- father of a people or you know father of a multitude verse uh, 1 of chapter 15 after these things the word of the lord came to abram in a vision fear not abram i am your shield your reward will be very great but abram said o lord god what will you give me for i continue childless no so this is he's reckoning back to this promise that he's going to have a great nation And he's wondering, but I'm still childless, even in his old age. He says, I am continued childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And here's the key verse. I want you to notice Genesis chapter 15, verse six. And he believed the Lord and he, that is the Lord, counted it to him, Abram, as righteousness. And he believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham obeyed. That is how this this. A uh, promise is enacted. Abraham believed and obeyed. Abraham trusted and acted on that trust. He had faith and he acted on that faith. And this is why Abraham is listed in the great faith chapter of Hebrews chapter 11. In this kind of catalog, the hall of fame of faith in the uh uh, through the story of the Old Testament. Look at what it says. Hebrew chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. In particular, it's like it starts in, in verse um, 4. By faith, um, oh, excuse me, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. Okay. So it's retelling this story that we saw in Genesis chapter 12, verse seven. And he went, not knowing where he was going by faith. He went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs of the same promise. And he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah, his wife herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Jump to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his son of whom it is said through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Okay. Now, he's talking about the incident that happens in Genesis chapter 22, where God comes to Abraham after Isaac has been born. And Isaac is probably some years old now, maybe 10 years old. And he says, now I want you to take your son, Isaac, your only son, and I want you to offer him on an altar to me on the mountain that I will show you. And Abraham goes to do it. He gets wood for the altar and he takes his son. And at one point, his uh, son, Isaac, is not uh, uh, unaware of what is happening here. Isaac says, "Um, Dad, we've got wood for the altar and for the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. Let's look and let's turn and look at how uh, that story ends in Genesis chapter 22, especially verse uh, verses 15 and on. Right as Abraham is uh, ready to plunge the knife into his only son, it says Isaac, the son of promise. Right as that is about to happen. The angel of the Lord stops him and yells his name twice. Abraham, Abraham, he says, here I am. He says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything uh, f- to him. For I know that you fear God. Seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Can you imagine this level of faith that he has? And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there was a, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son so Abraham called that place the lord will provide as it is to this day on the mount of the lord it shall be provided. verse 15 and the angel of the lord called to abram a second time from heaven and said by myself i have sworn declares the lord because you have done this and have not withheld your son your only son I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And here's why. Because you have obeyed my voice. So this is why the writer of Hebrews is pulling back from this story, and he's he's saying, When he was tested, he offered up Isaac in verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 11. Of whom it is said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. So it's interesting, the writer of Hebrews says, Abraham actually even believed that God could raise people from the dead. That's the only thing that can explain why it would be that he would go through this sacrifice of his son because the Lord asked him. Notice what it says, verse 19. He considered that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back from the dead. Isn't that amazing? It's as if Abraham was saying to himself, if God promised me descendants, and then God gave me a son, and then promised me that, that through that son, that these blessings were going to come through him. Then if he asked me to offer as a sacrifice that son, he must be able to raise that son from the dead. That's the faith that Abraham had. Do you see the thinking? Because God said it, I will do it. And that's why this key text, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness is so important. And that leads us to the next question. What does this matter to us? Why does this matter to us? What does does this mean for us? Because the New Testament cites that very verse, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, three times. Once in Romans chapter 4, once in Galatians chapter 3, and once in James. And so I want to look at those passages now in turn, and I'm going to ask this question. We're going to start with this one main question here first. okay? And this question is, who are those who are blessed through Abraham? What does the New Testament say about this blessing to Abraham that God gives? Okay, so here's the big question. Who is Who are those, excuse me? Who are those who are blessed through Abraham? That's our question. Now we're going to look at those three passages. In particular, in order. Let's uh, look, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Paul has just gone and explained the entire gospel in Romans. Begins in Romans chapter 1, says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against mankind because of their wickedness. He's he levels an indictment in chapter one against the pagan nations. Then he turns in chapter two to kind of moralist people or to Jews who did not follow the law. And then in chapter three, he goes. Um, uh, he kind of makes that indictment. Now, So if it's the pagan Gentiles and it's Jews, it's everybody. All have sinned like we saw last week in chapter three. And he ends chapter three. He goes, but now a righteousness God of righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Okay. Then he moves to Romans chapter four to give an example of righteousness that is through faith in Christ to all who believe. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Okay. And he uses Abraham as the example. He says this, verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? And then he quotes Genesis 15, verse 6. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now it is the it, it now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as is due. But to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sin. Sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before he had been circumcised? It was not, uh, or was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The promise or the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So that the righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the, un, of the circumcised. Who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. A lot of lot of confusing argument there about circumcision and all of those things. But he's saying, no, no, no. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And that everybody who believes like Abraham believed, they are now he is their father. Abraham is the father of all who would believe or all those who follow in his footsteps of faith. What a promise, right? And so that's that's uh, Romans chapter four. Those who are a faith who's the answer to this question. Who are those who are blessed through Abraham? Those who believe in Jesus Christ. The blessing of our sins being forgiven and being counted as righteousness. It's modeled in Abraham. Now, look at this Galatians chapter 3 as well. Who are those who are blessed through Abraham? Paul writing to the church in Galatia. Now, uh, Galatia is in the region of, of Turkey. This would be a, a Gentile, this would be a Gentile church. And there was an issue in Galatians um, where this church had received the good news about Christ and had believed in him. And then some others were coming in after Paul who were saying, who, who were Jewish, and who were saying, hey, good job. That's great. I'm glad that you believe in Jesus, but you need to get circumcised. You have to follow the law of Moses and so they were doing this. And Paul is writing back and saying, no, no, no. You don't understand how this works. When the, with the coming of the Spirit, you are justified by faith in Christ. And so he begins with these kind of harsh words here that you'll see at the beginning of chapter 3. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith? That's a rhetorical question. He says, you received the spirit without doing the works of the law. Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supplies the spirit to you and work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And then here's where he gets to it. Just as Abraham, quote, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Genesis fifteen six again. And then here's it. Verses 7 through 9. Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying in you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith. You see what he's he's doing here. Who are those who are blessed through Abraham? Those who have faith in Christ. Those who believe in Jesus Christ receive the blessing of our sins being forgiven, being counted as righteous. Jesus Christ takes the curse, as we will see, he goes on here a little bit, too. He takes the curse, verse 10, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. So Jesus was hanged on a tree, nailed to the cross. He became the curse for us. And what happens to those who believe? They are blessed. They are blessed with the blessing God promised to Abraham and his descendants. They become Abraham's descendants. It is those who have faith who are sons of Abraham. It's those who are faith blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So you get the idea. That's kind of the general principle. That's that's the general principle. I want but I want to move along here as well, too. And so now I want to get to some more specific kind of questions that will help us to understand this and flesh this out for us as well, too. And more specific questions being being this, Um, because we're talking about Abraham and his seed and his descendants. And so now we need to ask kind of two sub questions to this. And that is this. Are Jews? Uh, sons of Abraham. Then I'll get to the next one. Are Gentiles the sons of Abraham as well, too? But I want to do this one as well. Are Jews physical descendants in the line of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob? Are they sons of Abraham? The answer is It depends. <laughs> right? It depends. If they do not believe in Jesus Christ, then the answer is no. If they do believe in Jesus Christ, the answer is yes. And that's, that's not my opinion. That's Jesus' opinion. Let's look at John chapter 8. Beginning in verse 31. This is the word of Jesus. Jesus is. He's talking about how in verse 30, it says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Verse 31 of John 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then there's others that are there as well, too. And then they answered him. We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Okay. notice the argument they're making. They're saying, hey, we're offspring of Abraham, but we've we've never been enslaved to anyone. So Jesus answers that. Last question, how well is it, you know, you're saying that I've never been enslaved to anyone. Jesus answers that second part first. He says this, verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You, you may not have shackles on your wrists or put in prison somewhere or taken to a foreign land. That's maybe not happened in your life. But let me tell you, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son, referring to himself, sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So he answers kind of the slavery question there. And then notice what he goes. uh, He comes back to their original objection. Verse 37. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. Uh oh. It's getting it's getting dark up in here right now, okay? They answered him, Whoa, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is what Abraham did. Abraham was the man of faith, right? You are doing the works your father did. Oh, Jesus, you are getting in trouble. They said to him, we are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. What what do you not understand? Why do you not understand what I say? Which of you convicts me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Verse 56. Jesus says to them, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Whoa, what's he doing here? The Jews said to him, you're not 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I, I've been around before Abraham was. This is a, he's claiming to be the Lord here. I am, I am many times. He does that in John's gospel. Some people say Jesus never claimed to be God in the old Testament scholars. And I'm like, oh boy, you can It's right, right there. I am is a reference to the divine name of Yahweh from Exodus chapter 3. And as a matter of fact, it's proof in the next verse. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Why did they throw stones at him? Leviticus 24, anybody who blasphemes must be stoned. As a matter of fact, he says it in two chapters later, the same kind of event happens. You do not believe me, Jesus says, because you're not part of my flock. He's saying to the Jews, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they will follow me. And at all of this, he says, I and the father are one. The Jews picked up stones to stone him. And Jesus, I've shown you many things. Why are you stoning me? The Jew says it is not because of good work that you are doing to stone you, but because for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. So back to our question, look at what Jesus is saying to the question. Are Jews sons of Abraham? Jesus says, if you don't believe in me, the answer is no. You have a different father, he says. You have a different father. Paul does the same thing as well, too. Let's look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse, beginning in verse 1. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ or the Messiah who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, he says. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. Paul's saying the same thing that that Jesus is saying. You become a son of Abraham through faith and having the faith that Abraham had so let me, let me move on last question then: are Gentiles sons of Abraham the answer is it depends <laughs> right <laughs> it depends if they do not believe in Christ well then of course not no but if they do believe in Christ then the answer is yes And I turn, go back to Galatians. we go back to Galatians chapter 3. Hang with me. I know we're we're getting to the end, but just just hang with me. We looked at verses 1 through 14 of uh, Galatians chapter 3. And then Paul does a very interesting thing in verses 15 through 18. So I I want you to follow along. I want you to see this. To give a human example, brothers, Paul says... Even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham. Now say he's going back to Abraham. Let's look at Abraham and his promises here. God's promises to Abraham and to his offspring. Paul's doing a little bit of some interesting little exegesis here. He says, it does not say and to offsprings referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring. Who is the offspring? Who is Christ? This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it is no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. And this is where it applies to us. And this is where this will be our reflection on this today. Verse, um, verses 23. Actually, let's read verse 21 and on. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness could would indeed be by the law. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was like a guardian until Christ came in order that um, we might be justified by faith. Verse 25, But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ and put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. If you are for, you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's brothers, sisters, hear me. If you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. Have you ever read the promises given to Abraham? Abraham. To be a blessing, to command to go and be a blessing, and then all of the nations of the world will be blessed through you. You are heirs of that promise. If you trust in Christ. If you are in Christ, right? To all who are in Christ become children of Abraham, they become his offspring. This is why this is so important to us. The glory of God's appearing to Abraham and offering these promises. Is that by trusting in Christ, we get the blessings promised to Abraham and to his descendants. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. If you are Christ, if you are in Christ, then you are heirs according to the promise. Th- those are God's words. And so if you are heirs of the precious and very great promises made to Abraham and to his seed, who then? Who is that? Who's the answer to that? You are if you're united to Christ. You are if you trust in Jesus Christ. You are if you are in him, if you've been baptized into Christ and put on Christ. It doesn't matter whose blood is in your veins, but whose blood washes away your sin. Whose blood you place your trust in and you get the promises of forgiveness, of God being for you, to raise you from the dead, to make your name great, to join the assembly as numerous as the stars in the heavens. To you, brothers and sisters, the children of Abraham, you are children of Abraham through faith in Christ. If you haven't trusted in Christ, I beg you to do so. For those of us who have trusted in Christ, that means we have an objection. Or, uh, we have an objective. We are to be a blessing. We are to live this faith out in such a way that the world will see, and that we have an opportunity to share and to speak, so that others will trust in Christ, and they too can become children of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. Amen. 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 Thank you for staying with me. Let's let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for these great and amazing promises of blessing and how you have reversed the curse. You had planned to reverse the curse through your promise to Abraham and through his example of faith in God. Now, your word tells us through when we have faith in Christ and we trust in him, the one who was nailed to the tree and hung on the tree to take our curse so as to give us your blessing. God, we thank you. We can never thank you enough. Thank you for making us aware of all of the multitude of blessings that we have. And God, may we go out and be a blessing to others by sharing Christ with them. We give you all thanks and praise. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Would you stand for closing benediction? Brothers and sisters. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you as you go.